It's Sunday, May 15th, 2016, and you're listening to episode 400 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 56 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. My name is Chad. My name is Pat. So we have an announcement that is not... You need announcement music, like no. a triumphant horn, <laughs> no. like, or something like that. Well, Chad, actually, that surprisingly created a great segue for <laughs> the announcement, uh-huh. which is, and this is a purely internal announcement, mm-hmm. self-referencing here, but Fear the Boot was started on May 15th of 2006. Hmm. So if this works out right, this episode will be dropping on May 15th of 2016, Fear the Boot is now 10 years old. Wow. This will be our 400th regular episode, if you don't count episode zero. Right, and all the PSAs and interviews. Yeah, and if you add in all the PSAs, the interviews, the bonus episodes, and so forth, Mm -hmm. we have somewhere around 500 or a little over 500 total shows recorded. But this podcast has been going for 10 years and 400 regular shows. And we did not plan to drop the 400th episode on our 10-year anniversary. It just worked out. Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. Just This was not something that we planned in advance. It Really, that's why we missed all those episodes at the end of last year. Just to, just to get the timing <laughs> Yeah, <perfect>. exactly. <laughs> but one of the things that I was thinking about as I was kind of looking back on this was the history of the show. Mm-hmm. And when Fear the Boots started... One of the things that was really going on with gaming podcasts in general at the time is they were following, and this is something that I've talked about on other shows where they've interviewed me, but I don't Mm -hmm. think I've ever talked about on our own show. Or if I have, I don't remember it. It's been 10 years. It's been 10 years, yeah. We've said a lot of stuff in 10 years, and so I don't remember a lot of it. But at the time that we started, the people that were doing shows were mostly emulating what they were most familiar with, which was radio. Right. And they were following a news magazine style format where they had segments and stingers and mm-hmm. bumpers and all that kind of stuff sprinkled throughout them. Yeah, it was like morning shows. Yeah. And my favorite absurdity of that was when a podcast interrupted themselves at the 30 minute mark to do a, a show ID. Yeah. Which, if you're not <laughs> familiar with this, the uh, FCC requires broadcast radio to do a station ID on a certain interval. Right. And they stopped it on a podcast, which I found kind of amusing. But one of the things that we chose to do when we came on the scene, perhaps by virtue of not really listening to any other gaming podcast until after we had started, mm-hmm. was we just started doing this open roundtable, which is now how most podcasts are being run, uh, at least within gaming. And I have no delusion that we created that format. I have no delusion that we were the first even role-playing game podcast to do it. But it was something that made us a bit of an anomaly at the Mm -hmm. time that we didn't have things like, now it's time for the announcements. Then we play the announcements (laughs) ditty. And then I go into a certain number of minutes of announcements and then do a hard cut yeah. as if there's some kind of producer that's running a clock on me while we're recording the show. And once everyone else realized they didn't have to do that, they could get lazy. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite thing of the old school podcast, too, was that they would run commercials and stingers for each other. But the commercial content was 
copywritten clips from movies that was totally not within fair use. Uh, this one guy clipped up Star Wars, and he was carrying on a conversation with Han Solo through the course of this commercial. It was very horribly yeah. done. See, I still but... listen to podcasts that do the advertising for other podcasts. And oh, they, yeah, sure. They have their stingers, but I've never heard anything like that. Right. It used to be that role-playing game podcasts would play unlicensed copywritten music that they did not have the rights to play. Yes, and they did. Stuff like that. Yeah. Some still do. Yeah. But when we started the show, there were three basic principles, three basic promises that we put forth in our social compact yes. with the listeners. And here are the three rules. And I want you guys to look back on the 10 years and see how we've done with these three rules. Number one, no bards. <laughs> fail. Wayne, that up. <laughs> yes. Straight out. Mm-hmm. Number one was that we would never put an ad in the show. Right. There would never be a cut to an ad. We would never talk about a product because someone was paying us what they call native advertising. God, I tell you what, John Harper should pay us for all the times we pimped uh, Blades in the Dark. Well, him, but... yeah, and Eric Mona should probably pay us for what we did for Savage Worlds right. about <laughs> seven, eight years ago. But oh, well. the point being that we made the promise to ourselves and to our listeners that we would never run ads during the show, nor that we would ever use the interview episodes as native advertising or accept money for any of the products we talked about. We stuck to that. The second one was no politics, no religion. Mm-hmm. That if you came to the show, we were going to express opinions. We were going to like things and dislike things. But if you kept walked away and decided that you didn't like us, It wasn't going to be because we spent an hour stumping our worldview or crapping all over yours. Right. If you walked away and didn't like us, it was going to be because of our presentation, our taste in games, who knows what. But it was not going to be because we were just sitting there. Vote for this candidate. Yes. Or if you do, you're a horrible scumbag person. Believe in this religion, or if you believe in any religion, you're an idiot, or whatever. Mm -hmm. It just was never going to be part of the show. And the third thing that we promised was that none of the show's primary content, meaning the weekly episodes would ever be put behind a pay gate. Right. And in 10 years, we have never sold an episode. We have never ransomed an episode. I think the closest we got was on a fundraiser. There was some possible show content, not the show itself in the form of Chris's Battletech love letters that we said we would only read on the show if a certain amount of money was raised for charity. But that had not been recorded. Well, and we had a couple of zero episodes that were given away as Kickstarter backers, but those weren't... They were never going to be released yeah, otherwise. It wasn't getting money for those episodes. It was getting money for Blood Moon Goblins. or Well, and they weren't part of the weekly show release. Right. It's not like we just went ahead and pulled out you know, episode 325, and if you want episode 325, you have to pay us some amount of money or you have to go through some kind of paywall or whatever to get to that content. Right. And those that's the three things that we promised to each other and to the listeners when we set up to do this show. And I have to say that sitting here 10 years and over 500 episodes later, 400 regular episodes, that I feel pretty good that we have stuck to our guiding principles for that long. Mm-hmm. When we got into this, there was something that I heard from multiple people, Ryan Dancy being one of them, which is that any fan-driven effort, any labor of love, will typically die somewhere between the 12 and 24-month mark. 
<laughs> that most people who start a blog, start a podcast, start something, they will make it typically to about the year mark. But then somewhere between the 12 and 24 month mark, there's an enormous drop off in terms of keeping that content going. And having done our show for 10 years, which does not make us the oldest RPG podcast, but it makes us one of the oldest. Who's the oldest? Well, there was a couple of shows that are still around that got a start, I believe, slightly before we did. I think Pulp Gamer did. I think All Games Considered did. But some of these shows have undergone format changes. No, All Games Considered is Missouri. We could drive down and take those guys out. There's actually a lot of podcasts that either are or <laughs> yeah, have yeah. been historically made out of Missouri for some reason. Some of them are still around. Some of them, actually, a lot of them are not. But we've kept this show going without break for all those years. And, you know, I got to say, sitting here and looking back on that, that feels pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah. Especially given the number of creative projects in my life that I have failed to get anywhere. Well, see, that's what I don't understand what Dancy's saying. It's like, what, what do you say, 10 to 12 months for it to fail? 12 to 24. 12 to 24 months. When we start a creative project and we fail, it fails like within weeks. Oh, yeah. I mean, come I mean on. it's 12 to 24 hours. I know. <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's what, are you, what are you in this for? The, the product's pleasure? I know, right? <laughs> I don't get it. If, you're, if we're going to do something, we're going to go for the long haul. But the vast majority of the things we do are just pff, done. Vapor. There's also something that we are preparing to start to help keep us in the game, to help us keep upping our game to keep improving what we do and ideally to actually start working on some of these other creative projects that we have failed miserably to produce over also, the years and also to save our lumbars yes and we'll <laughs> talk about that here in a second but before i talk about this i want to stress that those three guiding principles that is what this show was launched on and that is not going to change. Mm -hmm. You can believe that so long as I am in control of Fear the Boot, there will be no primary content behind a paywall. There will be no politics or religion as a... I mean, I know we make our snarky comments in passing, <laughs> but there's that's not going to be what the show's about. And there will not be any ads or any sponsorship that is driving the content that we produce. However, one of the things that we would really like to do is, number one, free up some of the time that it takes to produce the show. That primarily goes into the form of audio editing. When we produce the show, the dinner, the recording, it only takes us a couple hours to do. Right. But the audio editing that we do, which is one of the things a lot of people say they like about our show, takes me between one and two nights of the week, every single week. And that is a real emotional drain. It's a, it's a drain on time. It's a drain mm -hmm. on emotions. It's a drain on my social bandwidth. And... The other thing is there's some upgrades that we'd like to do to the equipment. We've made, obviously, a huge investment of our own into the show, but there's some things we'd like to do. Probably first among them is replace these medieval torture chairs. Oh, my God. <laughs> to, to call them a chair is an insult to chairs. These things are painful, it's, to say the least. It's how I keep editing under control. <laughs> I, I limit the length of the shows by making the chairs absolutely intolerable to sit in for more than an hour. You know, I had a job once where I, I was in a cube, and the cube was kind of spacious a bit, and uh, I found this chair, right? And this chair was, like, orange, and it was, like, sort of carpet material, and it was all metal tubes, and this thing was from the 70s. I mean, it had to be. And I found it, and I'm like, wow, that's a funky, crazy-looking chair. And so I put it in my cube. It was one of these sort of orphan office supplies floating yeah. around the office. And uh, it was really, really freaking uncomfortable. 
And what I noticed is that people would come into my office. You know, if you work in an office, you get these drive-bys. People come, hey, could you do this, blah, 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 blah. And it, like, distracts you from work, and it creates more work, and you hate it. Well, people would see the chair, and they would sit down. And then they would immediately, like, within a minute, get up and walk away. And my boss came in, and she's like, oh, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And then she sits down, and blah, blah, blah. And then she kind of gets this look on her face, and then she looks at me, and she goes, you know, this chair is really uncomfortable. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, it is. And she's like, man, I don't really even want to sit in it for very long. And I'm like, yes, that's the idea. And she's like, huh? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so what we are doing is we're preparing to launch a Patreon, which if it is live, there will be a link to it in the show notes. And if it's not live on the drop of the show, then expect it to be coming very soon. But we are about to launch a Patreon that we are hoping to use to allow us to do things like hire an outside audio editor to take that burden mm -hmm. off of me so I can get that time back to devote to other projects, do things like replace these chairs so oh. we're not breaking our asses every time that we sit down, do things like getting Chad a pop filter so he stops deafening you with his <laughs> P's and T's. <laughs> but And then also eventually doing things like upgrading the computer that this show is recorded on and things like mm -hmm. that, and possibly even bringing in some artists to help us with some of these other projects this we want to do. This computer that this show is recorded on is an antique piece of junk. It also, when I purchased it, literally cost under $300. And didn't you purchase it like 10 years ago? Uh, it wasn't 10 years <laughs> ago, but it was too many years ago. Yeah, it was It was more years ago than, like, you could get a computer that's actually halfway decent nowadays for 300 bucks. Yeah, you couldn't at the time. No, you couldn't at the time. So this is a cheap piece of crap. One where we wouldn't all be staring at the screen praying every time you go to click the, uh, the <laughs> that, save button. Yeah, that it actually saves the audio. Yeah. Because it, it hasn't it. a couple of times. Yeah. So... What can you get out of this Patreon? Well, one, you could save entire episodes by getting us a damn new computer. <laughs> and you could save entire asses. By getting... No! <laughs> All right, so here's what we're offering. Let me stress once again that if you choose not to pay into the Patreon, that is 100% fine. We understand that you guys have your own financial needs. And mm -hmm. I will stress again that we will never paywall the primary content of this show. Right. There will never be a normal weekly episode you cannot get because you didn't back the Patreon. Now, there are going to be things that we will add as additional content on top of the weekly episode that will be available to the Patreon well, we're backers. We're sweeten the pot. Well, exactly. We want to incentivize this to yeah. the people that are... There's something I say at Fear the Con every year, which when we're talking about tips, I say take care of the people that are taking care of you. And in the same way... The people that are taking care of us through the Patreon, we want to take care of them. Right. And so here's the stuff that we're looking at, and you can go to the Patreon site and see it all in living color with the prices and everything. But for the back rewards, depending on your levels, you can get things like the show Raws. So if you mm. want to hear us saying all the things that end up getting cut or <laughs> not being censored when we say whatever, that's your shtick, you'll have access to all that. What we're going to try and do is also release content, the edited episodes, a day early to the people that are on Patreon. Now, the people that aren't on the Patreon, they'll still get the episode. It's still going to show up in your aggregate feed or mm -hmm. however you pull our show, but give it to people on the Patreon about one day early. Any of the negative episodes that we record and end up ditching into the abyss because Ooh, boy. they're so over the top that we can't release them, if you back at the right level, you'll start getting access to those. And we've got some other ideas 
including things like access to game notes that mm-hmm. for games that we're running and things like that, so you guys can see what we've got going on. Now, for the milestones, so for the total amount of money that we're pulling in from the Patreon, once again, where this money's going is things like computer hardware, recording hardware, chairs, an editor to take that load off of me. But the things that we're going to deliver based on the milestones that you guys hit is we're right now working on doing an actual play, and that will be additional content that we'll be releasing if that milestone is hit. We're looking at doing host confessionals <laughs> where we hop on the mics and talk about the games we're running, the things we're... Can I just talk about you? Yeah, you can. <laughs> That's kind of the point. Yeah. Is it's, it's, it's off topic. <laughs> it's a little more personal. But, yeah, that's kind of the point of it. We're also looking at doing online Hangouts. So if you're familiar with, like, Hangouts on Air, or you got, we can also do this on Twitch, mm-hmm. but get out there with some of the hosts. But also, I've been talking to some folks in the industry, so they can come on, and you can talk to them about a game they wrote, or rules questions you have, or even questions you just have about the direction their product's going, or how they got into the industry. Or why they don't shave off that filthy mustache. Or why they all have to have a goatee in general. Hey, but, I, I understand that. But you, know, you guys will have the opportunity to interact with these people directly as well as to interact with us. You're not just going through us to get an interview. It'll be a live, you know, real-time chat with these people. So that's the kind of stuff we're looking at. I hope you guys will take a look at it and at least consider helping us out. And however it goes, once again, the core values of Fear the Boot will remain the same, and the core production of Fear the Boot is not going to change, and it's not going to be paywalled at the Patreon. So the Patreon is bonus content and will free up time for us to produce that bonus content and to focus on other creative projects we'd like to get to, like getting Skies of Glass, Harapaka Rysos, or something out Mm -hmm. there. But there you go, and there you are. So I want to thank both you guys at home for your support and for your indulgence of our absurdities over the past decade of our lives. And I also want to thank you guys, my fellow hosts, because as powerful as a Dan sure is, <laughs> as much of an unstoppable boulder as they can become, as I sit here and just Dan explain everything to you, <laughs> this is not something that I could have put together without you guys because it's not only about the content on the mics and the conversation on the mics, but there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes. Because in 10 years, we've had, like everybody does, we've had our problems, we've had our struggles, we've had our family members get terrible disease diagnoses or had some people, you know, some haters come at us that really sort of knocked us off the horse and started taking out a lot of our energy and we, we thought about throwing in the towel and it's the support that you guys, my fellow hosts, have given me that has allowed me to keep this show alive for 10 years. So my personal thanks, not just to the hosts that are sitting here right now, but anyone that has ever been on the show for a substantial length of time for the things that you brought that made this whole endeavor possible. Except Chris. Chris. But, yeah, everybody else. I mean, Chris is just kind of a rounding error in the math of my life. But everybody else. No, even Chris. Chris is actually, there's actually a lot he's done for me behind the scenes. I don't want to get too much on that. I'd like to thank my ass for putting up this <laughs> chair for 10 years. <laughs> you know, the I, chan- I'm surprised it hasn't left me over it, to be honest. I was you. thinking about, <laughs> side topic here. Uh-huh. 
I was trying to think about... You were thinking about his ass? Yeah, I was. Yeah. I have a glorious ass, by the way. I know. Well, he's been working out. I know. Right? I, I was thinking about things that have changed in my life or in the show over mm-hmm. the 10 years, and one of them is that Chad's ass has gotten a lot more pert. That's and, right. And so, <laughs> I do 150 pounds on the glute machine yeah. twice a week, man. And his ass is more shiny. Hard. Yeah, that too. Mm-hmm. He's popped out a kid and lost some hair. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But I've also lost some weight. I have lost since this show started. I have lost eighty-five pounds. But wow. the thing that I was thinking about most relevant to the show that has changed in my life mm-hmm. when we got started with Fear the Boot. Let's get back ten years ago. We talked a lot about really only two types of games. Old games and BattleTech. Well, I'm putting BattleTech under old games. <laughs> oh, okay. Even by the time BattleTech was a largely dead product. Yes, you know it was sort of being floated by FanPro. Hadn't really been picked up by Catalyst yet. You know BattleTech was kind of a dead product, and we were mostly interested. I mean, I think heck, that was Dark Ages, if I remember right, yeah. which was a Dark Age in more than one way. Right. And so we were talking about pretty much either old games. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the really big AAA titles, yeah. like D&D or something like that. And some people kind of called us on that, that we weren't mm-hmm. looking at a lot of new titles. And this was also really the start because you had self-publishing going on. You, you were right on the cusp of the D20 OGL. Yeah. And you had a lot of independent small press products coming out that we just weren't even touching. And stuff we would consider nowadays to be the common currency of the show Things like Savage Worlds, up to more recently, Blades in the Dark, right. Inspectors, Fate. Dread, Fate, all these Apocalypse things you know, are things that we picked up along the way as we started getting exposed to the listeners. Because right. the listeners would start saying, hey, you ought to check out this game or that game, or would even come to a convention and show us that game, it's run a, that game for us. It's a vicious self-feeding cycle. The more we talk, the more listeners tell us we're wrong. The more we pretend not to listen to them, but actually some stuff floats through and we try new stuff, which we have more stuff to talk about, which means we have to sit in these goddamn chairs more. Yeah, I don't know if I ever told you. but I the, hate my life. <laughs> I don't know if I ever told you, but when I ran the Secret Lives of Gingerbread Men, uh-huh. it was one of the listeners that bought me my copy of Secret Lives of Gingerbread Men. Yeah. And it was, I'd never heard of the game before. And See, here's an interesting game. Well, the Christmas thing to go way back, if I'm not mistaken... The Secret Lives of Gingerbread Men was introduced to us by our first interview. And I don't know if it was on the first interview, but it was by the person we first interviewed, which was Ryan Dancy. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the debts I kind of still owe to the man was he was the first person in the industry to take us seriously. Right. Because he put out a list of 10 predictions for the game industry in like 2007. Mm-hmm. And we did an episode commenting on it. And he actually responded to us, and so we said, well, do you want to come on the show and talk about it? And much to our surprise, he said yes. He was a real major factor in us kind of getting started, getting into the industry and really seeing these games and seeing these people and being exposed to all these things. We've interacted with so many cool people since then as well. I mean, people like Fred Hicks, Tracy Hickman. Never thought I would be in an interview with Tracy Hickman. Well, the listeners, too, because... One of the things that I was also thinking about that's changed in my life over doing the show is listeners have not just introduced us to new game titles. They've introduced me to a lot of new ways of looking at life. I don't think it is a necessity that every time you're exposed to a new view or a new perspective, 
you have to immediately assent to it. Yeah. Keep an open mind, but not so open your brain falls. Exactly. You can hear a new idea and still hear it critically and say, well, I think you've got some points, or maybe I still think you're completely wrong, but you can listen to it. But there have been people along the way that have done quite a bit, I think, to broaden me as a person, that have helped me to understand the struggles that they're going through, the perspective that they have on life. Uh, Chad, you were responding to, it was a uh, Reddit thread Mm -hmm. that somebody had posted where they had apparently been a listener to Fear the Boot way back in the day, or maybe more recently, but it started with our early episodes, which always hurts me. Yeah, Yeah, it always hurts me. But he said that he was kind of put off by the fact that we were using gay all the time as a pejorative term. Right. If we didn't like something, well, that game's gay or that rule's mm-hmm. gay or whatever. And, you know, it was Derek Knudsen, who now has become kind of a fixture of our yeah. show's culture, uh, who wrote in and you know, was very polite about it and simply said, hey, this is what it's like to live life mm-hmm. this way, and this is how it affects me. And that's just one example of, of how yeah. the people have kind of broadened my view because when you sit down and you listen to somebody and you actually pay attention to what they're saying, you're not listening to your, to respond. You're actually listening to listen. Yeah. Then it starts to really broaden your mind to these things. And I, I wish I could tell more of these stories. Mm-hmm. And if we get this Patreon thing going, maybe in these confessionals, I'll talk to some of these people and see if I can get permission to tell you some of their life story, mm-hmm. some of the things they've told me that you can only tell the good stuff about me, which <laughs> is all of it. So go for it. Uh, yeah, that's fine. You're an award-winning man. <laughs> I am, but <laughs> I'm great. I, yeah, I, I'd love to see if some of these people would let me tell these bits of their life story about what they told me. It's real easy to have your your prejudices about the world. It's real easy to have everything all figured out. Mm-hmm. until you actually sit down and empathize with somebody who doesn't come from that place. Right. And once again, I, I, I'm not a postmodernist. I don't think this mm-hmm. means that all things are equally true, but it certainly does force you to look at some things and to rethink some things about yourself and about the world and about other people. And that's something else that, I mean, even if this show ended with this episode, which it's not going to, but I'm just saying, even if it did, you know, these chairs finally just flat out kill us. <laughs> I mean, I dream about this. It's my worst nightmare. Then chairs are going to eat me. <laughs> can't sleep. Chair will eat me. Can't sleep. Chair will eat me. But even if that happened, that's something that I'll still have forever. Mm-hmm. Is the way that that interacting with the people that have interacted with us, right? You know, have affected how I see not only the hobby but how I see the people that participate in the hobby. Well, it, it's interesting that when we first started, like I said, we didn't really have a breadth of experience in all these different kind of games, and we didn't really have the opportunity to either. People don't really seem to remember that in 2006, there were, I, I don't know the exact timelines of when these different things started, but like Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, things like this may have been there, but they weren't big. They weren't mainstream. And... How you learned about all of these independent games or new games or interesting games, even the mainstream ones are just interesting, was that you used to walk down to your local hobby store. And, yeah, you could you could find this. This stuff was on the Internet, but you had to go and seek it out, right? 
nowadays on the internet, it's more of a megaphone coming to you. Content is there. You just Those can't... old GeoCities pages aren't there anymore. Right, right. Well, yeah, you and know? you could participate in something like RPGNet. Yeah, or... but that's a morass of disgusting horribleness. I, I think but... more ass is pretty much <laughs> yeah. a sufficient descriptor. And but... I'm not picking on RPGNet specifically. No, I but... am. It's pretty horrible. But, you know, the... the, the... <laughs> I mean, what was going? I think what Usenet groups, and, yeah. you know, the IRC channels, well, and things like that. So, but. I mean, like this information was not really prevalent. You had to like really go out and seek it. And so, when we started talking with authority, because you know we're fear the boot, we're an authority on role playing games. People started calling us on our BS, and they're like, you know, well, you say you have this problem in a game, and you hate that this game does this rule, and it really pisses you off. You do know that there is an entire genre of games that deal with this concept that is not a problem that you have described. And in the early days, there were a lot of people who were rightly calling us out, not angrily, although some were, and it was good for us. It was good that we got that exposure, that people came to us and, and sort of promulgated these these ideas and these concepts that we could look at them honestly and say, no, sir, you're wrong, and I am right. But then secretly kind of go back and apply what they said <laughs> and then make that improve our games. Then we come back to the mics and present it as if it's our own idea. Exactly, yeah. You, you never let them see you sweat. <laughs> Absolutely not. We are an authority, after all. I don't know. The first game I ever played was a perfect system. The sky's glass. Oh, it was perfect. So there was no improvement on that. God no. damn, I've never seen you kiss somebody's ass that hard before. I kind of <laughs> like it. Son, that's just them telling the truth. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, uh, you know, we are an authority. We are journalists. Yes. Yes, yeah. we are. That's right. We are the podcast of record. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, all right, we do have a gaming topic to talk about today, not just talking about I thought we were just going to kiss your ass more. I mean, we can if you really want to go that way. Or if you want to talk about cap ships or something like that, I mean, all this is on the table. Dude, there was a new game that was just released, the Stellaris game. Have you guys I, I gotta tell that? you, I cannot take cap ships and the chair. <laughs> One or the other, not both. <laughs> the chair. I like how it's become an execution yeah, now. Yeah. There's four of them, but it's yeah. the chair. We might as well sponges on our head, and <laughs> yeah. be strapped in, yeah. just facing. You know, each I other. walk down that hall, and there's a priest there. Yeah, I, you're not even Catholic, but he's there, and every every week. Yeah, and we're praying for a power outage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but all right, so there is a gaming topic we wanted to talk about, and. When Chad floated this, I immediately came up with a term he's not real big on. So I'm going to use it as a result. Yeah. Which I is, agree with which it, is but so I just don't common, like it. Which is boat anchor characters. Right. So the reason I'm calling them boat anchors <laughs> is the way that Chad describes this mm-hmm. is what about games where you play something that is wildly out of place, but not in a freak show right. or special snowflake we're not kind talking, of way. Yeah, we're not talking we're playing modern day mystery with no magic and you're playing Doctor Strange from outer space. Yeah, well, it's, yes. we're not talking about that, but something like playing a very young child. Right. Or a very old man or woman or something or like that. Or a very young man or woman or a very old child. <laughs> <laughs> Your ages is offending me. But like the next Indiana Jones when Harrison Ford is still playing Indiana Jones. I have to say, I just made Dan speechless. I still got it. Yeah. But we were talking about that. Yeah. And it's an interesting concept 
one of the things that seems to be true of the vast majority of characters in a role-playing game, apart from their uniqueness, so this could yeah. be true whether they're a freak show character or not a freak show character, or whether they're a, a Bows character or not a Bows character. <laughs> yes. Use our more recent term for this. Is if you play something like a little child, well, this changes the parameters of what's occurring in the game. Yeah. Let me go on the other side because I think it's perhaps a little bit easier to make the point. Let's say you choose to play someone who's very elderly. Right. And let's say we're playing And again, we're not we're saying elderly but completely functional. We're not saying a freak show character would be, oh, yeah, I'm playing a 90-year-old guy in an iron lung who needs to be carted around and can't talk, you know. And who... Well, I th- yeah, we'll come back to that. I think there actually could be a middle step there. Yeah. I-, I don't know that I'd go that far. But let's say that you're playing something like the... Harrison Arch- Ford. Well, yeah, Harrison Ford. You're playing... <laughs> He's or got the... a real hard-on for Ford today, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> or the stereotypical D&D game where there's going to be a lot of traveling, a lot of dungeon diving... Mm-hmm. And I'm choosing to play a 70-year-old man. Right. And we're not talking Jack LaLanne. Right. This is somebody who's 70 and struggling to get around. And Because I, I work out with it at the YMCA, and there's a lot of old men who can lift more than I am. There's a lot of really sure. in shape old guys. But that's not who we're talking exactly. about. Exactly. Yeah. Because it seems that most characters in a role-playing game, if you were to peg them to human norms seem to fall somewhere between about the ages of 18 and 35. Mm-hmm. And let's also be honest, even if they can lift more than you, if they fall and break their hip and you fall and break your hip, you're healing faster. Oh, my God. Pat and I were on the trail two weeks ago, right? Pat and I have started hiking together, and we're hiking along this trail, and it's a beautiful day out. Absolutely gorgeous. This has no pertinence to the topic at hand. It's a total <laughs> train wreck right here. Okay? Outstanding. Yes, so we're hiking this trail, and we're going up this hill, and because it's Missouri, hills everywhere. Yeah. And so we're like, oh, man, this is hot. Yeah, okay, good good trail, lots of neat nature. There's an old dude walking down the hill towards us. He's about six foot three. He's probably about 70, and he isn't wearing a shirt, and he has the tightest washboard abs you have ever seen in his life. His diet and his core workout are on f***ing point, right? <laughs> I bet this chair wouldn't even hurt him. No, he, no. Would, he would put the chair he in his He would hurt abs, the chair. Yeah, and he would crush it with his abs. <laughs> He's walking down the thing, and I'm, like, not looking right. I mean, whatever. And this guy's walking down the trail, and he's got the biggest shit-eating grin you've ever seen. He knows exactly that he has washboard abs. <laughs> you, he's hiking. <laughs> The Jack LaLanne. <laughs> he is. Impressive. Impressive abdominal muscles. Sorry. Continue. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Chad, if we go back a ways, this is yep. going like reaching back to the 90s. Mm. The dark times. You played a child in a game. Yes, I did. did you, I just I asked. Do you remember this? No, I, I remember it because we, we were playing a game. It was a homebrew sci-fi. Mm-hmm. It was not Epic Rise. This is a different setting, but it was a homebrew sci-fi. I was rebelling against an idea. And... I don't remember all the characters. <laughs> I remember Tex and I were in the game. We were yeah. playing brothers, just like we were in real life. Mm-hmm. That big based, stretch. Yeah, this <laughs> pilot and co-pilot yeah. of a ship. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the Millennium Falcon, but think that kind of thing. Except imagine yeah. Han and Chewie were both human brothers. Mm-hmm. But that kind of thing going on. And I don't remember all the other characters, but I do remember that in that game, 
Chad, you were playing a young girl. Yeah, she's like nine or something. Something like I don't remember. I, don't, I remember the details the, about her. And the reason I was playing her was because we had gotten done with a whole string of different games. And there were certain um, players that we used to know that would play women. But they wouldn't play women as women. They were, they were really playing whores. Mm. And they mm. were playing, I mean, just they were guys who were playing supremely over-sexualized females. I'm appalled. And, <laughs> and there was discussions that we had, because we always talked about role-playing games and stuff, that I think you and I were actually kind of getting sick of it. Because it it's like, that's all that they were playing. That was the only female they could play. We, for a few years, we made that a rule in our role-playing yeah. games. You had to play your own gender. Yeah, because people Be- were... Wouldn't in, do it. Wouldn't do it. They were incapable. They, they would only play sex machine. Yeah. Sex yeah. machine whores. And it was like these these total caricatures of not even what a woman is. I mean, it's just this ridiculous t- teenagers. I mean, it was teenagers. Sure. I am and, so glad I never experienced that because I've had really good gaming experiences absolutely. with guys playing women. Yeah. Abs- and I play a woman in the Blades of Dark. Right. Right, and your your female character is great, and I have no problem with it now. But back then, I mean, that's where our early podcast was a real from. problem. Yeah, I rebelled against the idea of it because everyone was like, even the people who were playing the prostitutes, and they weren't literally prostitutes, but I mean, that well, I, I, they I, didn't I, get money. No, exactly. <laughs> the the more common jargon for this that at least I've heard lately, something else here we have to believe is the fighting. F- toy that's exactly what they were and so now i'm interested <laughs> pat just woke up yeah so what? Huh? they I call were, her rabbit they were playing these everyone was like and even the players who were playing them were like no guys just can't play women they they, they, they can only play these fighting f- toys and and that sort of stuff and i'm like i rebelled against it i'm like okay i am going to play a female character and i'm going to play a good female character that's deep and interesting and isn't about her vagina and so I played a nine-year-old girl. Which put a bunch of parameters on the game right there. Because yeah, it was a sci-fi fighting space game. Well, I'll say, that for starters, that takes that trend we'd had mm-hmm. off the table because, you know, we were maladjusted and hormonal teenagers. Absolutely. We weren't kitty fiddlers. No. And no. so the idea of sexualizing a nine-year-old was... A non, a non, it yeah. wasn't even going to happen. This, this so. wasn't going to happen. Right. This wasn't going to be an issue. And so immediately you start having to think about the character as an individual. Yep. But Oh, my God. Women are individuals? Yeah. Oh, my God. They're, it's like they're people. I know. <laughs> but the other thing that it did was it did start changing the rationale of the game. Yeah. Because we were fairly mobile in the game. Mm-hmm. Now, a nine-year-old girl obviously is still going to have a really good amount of energy right. and is going to be, you know... I think she was a gymnast. Yeah, and so it's not like she's physically infirm or something, but she doesn't have the strength or coordination that an adult has. Right. She doesn't have the physical endurance that an adult has. I'm not talking about endurance in terms of, like, running and keeping running. I mean, like... She's not taking a punch from Mike Tyson. Exactly. She's going to get killed a whole lot easier mm. So we had to start adjusting for the fact that something that might break the jaw of or knock out an adult, girl might kill her. Right. Well, I would also think you'd have less mental acuity because your brain's not fully developed yet. 
You would have less life experiences. You'd have lower skill sets. Yeah. And so these were all kinds of things that had to get added into the character. And that character, simply by the the basic properties of what she was, without being a freak show character here, you know, mm-hmm. she, she wasn't some... Normal human. Yeah, she wasn't some werewolf from outer <laughs> space. Right. She was just a normal human little girl, but it changed the entire calculus mm-hmm. of how the game played and how the group functioned. Yep. Now, we could see the similar thing if we go back to my prior example of if you're playing a 70-year-old guy in D&D. And not the heroic Don Quixote sort of thing. You know, you play a realistic 70-year-old guy, not someone where you just, on the age category, you just write 70 and yeah. then ignore the well, fact that he's 70. Well, and depending on the edition of D&D and which splat books you're using, some of them have fairly detailed rules for right. aging yeah. characters mm-hmm. where you start to drop physical stats, and typically it's paid off by gaining mental stats, which... On one level is great for min-maxing your wizard, <laughs> but if you play it realistically, uh, if the dungeon doesn't have a good ramp for rascals to get down, <laughs> and we're assuming you're not playing wizarding the Jack Lane way, right? Then you know how do you start to deal with this in the yeah. game, or do you deal with it? Do you just hand wave it? I don't think you should, because I look back at our, our game that we played where I played the little girl. Like you said, the entire tone of the game changed. Yeah. For the better. It wasn't about chicks and shooting and guns and violence. It's not that we couldn't get in combat, and it's not that we couldn't do any of that anymore. It's not that somebody had to turn into the mother for the kid, because the kid didn't have any mother, and we were a bunch of teenagers, so nobody wanted that job anyway, and I didn't want anybody to do that for my character. Yeah, Tex and I kind of... I think it was a stowaway. I don't remember what the story was. Yeah, I mean, they they took her on and watched out for her, but honestly, on a day-to-day basis, they weren't parenting her. No. I mean, they were largely ignoring her. Yeah. Well, I mean, even not ignoring her. They they weren't treating her any differently than they would have anyone else. Right. They they weren't sitting there reading her bedtime stories and whatever. You know, they were more focused on what you would expect out of kind of a, a roguish space sort of game. Yeah. But I agree with you. It, it did change the tenor of the game. And I think it did so in a meaningful and thoughtful way. Yeah. It wasn't like our previous experience with people jumping across genders or whatever, where it became ridiculous. It became, right. honestly, derogatory and offensive mm-hmm. in many ways. This is something that added depth to the game. And I think in the same way, if you were to deal with somebody who is at that point in their life where they have a lot more in their past than they do in their future... They have a lot of stories. They have mm-hmm. a lot of experience. But, that was my other character. But they're not what they used to be. That, that was my other character. And one of my first characters in Skies of Glass was History. And he was an old man. And I, I made him as old as you would allow me to make him. I think he was, like, pushing 80. If you would have let me go to 90, I would have done it. But I started pushing, like, past 80. And you were like, okay, I just can't. That's starting to break reality for me, but uh, which was uh, understandable because you did want a bit of action and travel in the game. But yeah, I was playing a very, very old man, and the the concept behind him was that he was alive before the bombs dropped. Now he was a kid. I think we got it to where he was like thirteen when the bombs dropped, or something like that. And so he had a memory of what life was like before, whereas nobody else did within the 
narrative of the game, we never met anybody who was old as he was. Now, of course, in the reality of it, there would there would be some people, but not many, not many, but, yeah. but and we never encountered any. When I played him again, because we did a, a years and years later, we did a second game. I, I actually tweaked the character a bit and I made him a little bit more dark in a certain way. In that he is the oldest person that we will ever meet. He experienced all of this life, and he, unlike anybody else that we were encountering, remembered the truth of what life was like before the apocalypse, except he was losing his memories. He was forgetting things. He was becoming, I wouldn't say that he had Alzheimer's, but he was becoming a bit senile in his old age. Not ha-ha, that's funny, sort of comedy senile either, but... When people would talk to him in-game and they would ask him things, he would always manipulate the situation and manipulate the conversation away from that. He would never actually answer their question because he wouldn't remember. But it is a very interesting character to play. You know, and the reason that I called these boat anchor characters, (laughs) which I will fully admit is an oversimplification of what's going on, is the fact that they do change... Mm-hmm. the mobility of the game. Yes. They change the dynamic of the game. Now, I think if you do them right, as we've been talking about, it brings up issues you wouldn't deal with otherwise. For example, how well are people respecting the elderly? Mm-hmm. How do you make accommodations within the party for the fact that maybe this person can't get around like they used to be able to? That we have to have a horse or something handy so this person can get from point A to point B. Can they ride a horse because they have hemorrhoids? (laughs) Or if you have a child, you think twice about putting that kid out there with a gun. Yeah. I mean, do you really want to hand a particle pistol to the nine-year-old girl and say, hold the hallway? Yeah. Because if, and will the guards even shoot back at her? I mean, you know, know, in creates a in the walking dead. They did that, but it, it, it still does require the party the other players and the game master to accept that it's going to change the game. Right. And that's why I use the phrase boat anchor is because it is going to require slowing down mm-hmm. the murder hobo pace of <laughs> yeah. the game because you can't murder and you can't hobo quite the same way you would if everybody was in that 18 to 35 range. Right. Right. When you play these characters, whether you're a game master or a player, you have to think about it from the perspective of that, like, age, right? I mean, this is something that we we ran into this weekend. We were playing the Eels game again, so everybody's playing kids. And this is something that Pat had brought up during the game, is Mm -hmm. that these guys, we had just started, and we were introducing Wayne and Sarah to the the concept, and we were coming up with these plans and these heists, and they're really complex, and they're really crazy, and we're really going to hurt this guy. And it's like it was like right edge on the edge of murder. And, Pat, you put the the brakes on all yeah, of it. I did because it was, you know, the problem that we were having is that we were just we were going about this just like we were playing adults. Yeah. In the adult game, like in the normal Blades, Blades in the Dark game. And I'm like, guys, you got to understand we're playing mainly 10-year-olds, but yeah. Sarah was playing a six-year-old yeah. girl. Yeah. You're six. You're my son's age, my youngest son's age, mm-hmm. and I'm playing a, a kid my older son's age. 
those two people are not thinking about pulling out these heists and these complicated things and you know doing in, in the you know using psychological warfare against mm-hmm. this out of the other and, and turning people against each other they're thinking about fucking fart jokes right and they're laughing at they're <laughs> laughing at you know at fart jokes and and it's funny because he's got to go pee pee got to get in the totally different mindset and i did and i literally i did i i i, I think i was i was pretty forceful about you it too, and i uh, but I, I, I needed to. It's like I, you've got. We've got to step back here. It's like we have to stop this. We are not playing this game right. You are a child. Mm-hmm. We are children. You have to play this like a kid. That's what we're doing. And I mean, if we're not going to, then let's not play the game. You know. Right. But if we are, we have to play this right. You know. So all this this crap that we're planning, it has to go out the window because we have to start thinking more along the lines of let's make plans that are going to be based on. What kids are going to do? Yeah. How would how would a, a five to ten year old approach something like well, this? And the other hard part is you have to look at the world you're in. Mm-hmm. These are kids that have lived on the street. Yeah, they don't yeah. have the same experiences as a yeah. modern kids now. Right, they would think of some things differently. You have to take all of that into account: the age, as well as yeah. the experiences. Because that was one of the things that we we discovered over the weekend too was that you know you make the points like okay these. These are like our kids who are running around the house right. at that point. And we could look at them and draw inspiration was, from it, what it, they're doing. It actually makes it easy, easier for me because, you know, to play this character, I just I look to my two children. Yeah. And I think, well, what you know, what are the limitations? Like with I can I can look to Duncan. What are the limitations? I mean, he's he's nine years old. I'm playing a ten year old boy. I'm like, yeah. okay. I can think like he Duncan. Into? Yeah, is, I think the, you know the but, way he is, and, and I can the, you know. The but he's never had to hand, steal to eat. Yeah, on the well, other hand, he's exactly. Not, sure, he sure. has a home. He has loving parents. He has an education. He's literate. He understands yeah. how the world works because of the education. He has electricity all the time. But we're playing street urchins, yeah, orphans. You're playing a ten year old like your son, except you don't know who your father is, and your mother is a whore at the whorehouse. Mm-hmm. And you basically live on the streets because you can't quite live at the whorehouse right. because of the business is going on. Well, because at the whorehouse, I'm always looking at all the Johns, and I call them maybe daddy. <laughs> <laughs> maybe daddy. So, so we were like, yeah, I mean, on one hand, we wouldn't be doing these this complex psychological warfare to get this heist going. But on the other hand... Our not kid, sheltered either. Our kids right. are soft. Oh, yeah. You know? And, sure. And so these kids are going to have a little bit of a harder edge about them. Mm, and they're sure. going to be a little bit hungrier and a little bit tougher and a little bit smarter. Well, and I think this is a great thing about role-playing as a hobby because yeah. it gives you the opportunity to genuinely step into the shoes of other people in other situations and to see things from their perspective. And this is where I would challenge people that if you want to play a character like this, look at the people in your life. Mm-hmm. Look at the kids that are around you. Look at the elderly people that you know. Don't hesitate to borrow, adapt, or liberally steal from these people as a basis for your character to get an idea of what life is like for them. Here's another great thought. If you don't know, go find out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't know what it is like to live as somebody who is 70, 80 years old, with most of their life behind them and not ahead of them. Guess who wants to see you? Yeah. Grandma wants to see you. And guess who would probably love to tell you <laughs> all about what life was like and what it's like where they're at right now. And if you don't have grandparents, like all of my grandparents passed away a while ago, 
I can talk to my parents. Hey, can you tell me some stories about grandma? Yeah. You know? Or find somebody. Or you know what? There's this internet thing. There's a ton. <laughs> no way. And if you can't handle the internet, these library things still exist. What? Go read stuff that's written by somebody who lived through those experiences yeah. or is living through those experiences who can talk about what it's like to actually be in those situations so that you can portray that correctly. But I do think because of the fact that doing this changes the tenor of the game, you know, when people sit down to play a role-playing game, I think there are a lot of unspoken expectations about mm -hmm. how the game is going to go. This is certainly the kind of thing that needs to come out and be discussed yeah. up front. Yeah. If you're not doing your group template and it's suddenly a surprise when everyone shows up on the day of the first game and everybody's got an 18 to 35 healthy individual and someone else brings in grandpa on a walker, mm. the game master's plot is about walking the width of Mordor. Yeah. Then obviously this kind of screws things up. This mm. changes what the game's about. This changes how the game plays. And so I think because of that, unwritten social contract there. I think you need to get people to buy into what you're doing, but you are going to be a boat anchor in the sense that the usual momentum of the game, it's not going to be the same. No, you're and going to change the direction and change the speed. And yeah. that's good. That's it's a good. good well, if it, everybody, yes, knows right. it, if everyone's it, on the same page. It can, yeah, I agree. I, it, it can be a good thing. Yes. It could also be, it could also be bad. I mean, if everyone else agrees, they want a dungeon crawl. And you run up right. with a six-year-old girl, yeah. there might be a problem. Yeah. Or if you're playing World of Darkness and we're playing sexy vampires in the sexy sex club, and then somebody's playing a six-year-old <laughs> who's not a 300-year-old vampire doing right. this weird body thing with it, and even that's a little creepy for uh, me. Yeah. Right, but so, is legitimately playing a six-year-old. So it, it's definitely something that you have to yeah. approach with with care. You have to talk with people and say, "Hey, guys, I have an idea for next time." What do you think is a group? Is is this cool? And and you get buying for it because I, do it. I no, it's not. <laughs> it, it's not. And you and you can you certainly can cause some consternation I, because I of it. Do. And and that's you know that's why I'm going to say you know taking the other side. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's a great social experiment. You know, it's it's great to break outside the mold, but it can also fucking piss people off. It's like you know what? I this is bullshit. I don't to just play this because fucking Chad is going to play this, you know, his, he's going to be belligerent about this shit and go way against the norm and play some outlier character that's going to fuck everything up because I wanted to play this kind of a game. You know, you've got to be mindful of that. So, yes, make sure it's okay with everybody. And for God's sake, don't do it all the time either, you know. It's, yeah. it's great to do it every once in a while, but if you are going to do it, don't be a douchebag. Talk to the people and see, is it, you know, is it okay? You know, maybe you'll get some buy-in for it. You know those carnival games where it's like, Guess how many jelly beans are in the jar? For, uh -huh. yeah. yeah, I think some episode I'm going to have a contest like this for the listeners of guess how many bleeps got applied to Pat. Because <laughs> 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 that one sentence right there, I think, is mostly going to be a continuous sine wave. Wow. I, I, you know, I didn't even think about it. I just I get all hot and bothered. I know. You, do. you did go on but, quite the bender. I did. But at any rate, I hope that these are the sorts of characters that people will at least be willing to contemplate and put back on the table. And... If you find you're always defaulting to that same rut of character, not in class, not in race, but in th terms of things like where they're at in their life, you don't know, think about this. Maybe it's a good time to try playing a boat anchor. Yeah, just, that's right. So anyways, 
Thank you guys for tuning in, not just today, but for 10 years of all of our nonsense. There will be a link to the Patreon in the show notes. I hope you guys will consider kicking in what you can for the sake of their asses. And <laughs> beyond that, have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. See you in 2026. Motherfucker. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2016. Listeners are free to use this show in any non-commercial endeavor as long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the Pulp Gamer Media Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at pulpgamer.com.